0: The theology of the atonement, which I'll really quickly talk about in an easy to understand way in a second. Uh, The theology of the atonement is, I would say, one of the things, if not the thing that most reveals just how incorrect we are in our understanding of the gospel and of God himself. And for that reason, it's it's my belief and understanding, uh, consequently, that we are mostly wrong. And that we need to stop holding on to the things that we believe as though everything we say is true. And in fact, start to try and really let go of all of our pet beliefs and reassess everything. Everything that we believe, reassessing absolutely every little belief. And and just scrutinizing it to try and find where we've gone wrong in our understanding to bring about the results in our life that Jesus saw in his And the atonement theology is what exposes that most clearly, in my opinion. And essentially what atonement theology is, is that everything has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus, and that it's not up to God's decision anymore as to whether or not anything happens in Jesus' name that was paid for by the blood of Jesus. So for example, the three major areas that were uh, paid for for salvation by the blood of Jesus were the salvation of the Spirit. So basically, the reality that if you believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, you're not going to go to hell. That is paid for by the blood. That means that if you come to God in Jesus' name, believing that you will be saved, then you will be saved and God will not only will not change his mind, but cannot change his mind. Because he shed his blood. He has paid for that already. It is already a done deal and anyone who subscribes to that reality will receive it. And anyone who doesn't subscribe to that reality won't. The second area that he paid for, and this is, you know, the first one, almost everyone will agree with that, right? That's the the blood of the atoning work of Christ for the salvation of the of the the human spirit or the soul, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, the soul and the spirit are different, but in the sense of going to heaven, it seems to be the same kind of uh, tom- terminology there. But the healing of the body is something that was also paid for by the blood of Jesus uh, in, in the atonement. The atonement is the shedding of his blood uh, for the sake of saving humankind, not just from hell, but from sickness and disease as well. Second thing is is the healing of the body. That means, uh, that reality, if you believe that the healing of the sick is in the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ, that God can never say no to a healing Because he already said yes in the shedding of his blood 2,000 years ago. And that if he was to say no to your healing or the healing of whoever you know that's sick, he would have done it 2,000 years ago by not shedding his blood. The blood of Jesus is God's yes and amen to your prayer for healing. And it will be forever and it always has been. And that is uh, foremost demonstrated in the comparison of three verses in the Bible. The first of which being in Isaiah chapter 53 where Jesus uh or I guess you know Isaiah writes that um by Jesus stripes or by his stripes uh we are healed and that is talking about the physical body not not spiritual healing it's talking about you know Isaiah 53 lists a whole lot of promises of the blood covenant of the Messiah who was to come into the world and in verse 5 he says by his stripes you will be healed that's one of the promises and a lot of the things that i hear from other churches and other dom- denominations Uh, Their opinion of that verse is that he's talking about spiritual healing, yet there are a few things wrong with that, I guess the first one being that, I believe it's Matthew chapter 8, but if you just Google Matthew, you know, book of Matthew, by his stripes we are healed, it should come up, but I'm pretty sure it's Matthew chapter 8, round about verse 17, that it says this, you know, the things that Jesus did in that passage were done, uh, that it might be... Uh, that the verse might be fulfilled by his stripes, we are healed. And it's talking about the physical healing of the sick. So he was laying hands on sick people in that, in that chapter. I believe it's Matthew 8. And physically sick people were being healed. Not spiritually sick people. Nobody is spiritually sick. People are spiritually dead or spiritually alive. People are physically sick though. And in that chapter, he physically healed them. And it says this was done, that the prophecy might be fulfilled by his stripes, we are healed. And, you know, some people say, yeah, well, that's when it was fulfilled, not on the cross through the atoning work of his blood. Yet, if you look at First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter once again reiterates that verse, talking about the body of Christ, talking about everyone who had ever come to God. And it says that it's by his stripes we were healed. Once again, that verse is talking about the physical healing of a body, not the spiritual healing of, of, of a human being the physical healing of the body, he says, by his stripes you were healed. So the verse for the first time in the Bible has changed from being a present tense reality to a past tense pre-existing reality that can never be changed. We don't need to pray whether or not God wants to heal a person because it's by his stripes that that person was healed. Meaning the work of the cross was already accomplished 2,000 years ago. And that is when the life of God was poured out, and it's when the life of God was given. And I had this revelation from uh, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, two days ago, where um, the verse says something along the lines of, you can look it up yourself uh, for the exact words, but uh, very close would be that the life of, the life of a being is in, its, is in the flesh. And you know, it goes on to talk about that blood being offered up on the altar for the atonement of sin but it says that the life flow of the flesh is in the blood. Jesus was the word made flesh. So the life flow of the word was in the blood and the blood containing the life, t- containing God's life was poured out 2000 years ago already. So the life of God that you need for healing of a sickness was already poured out 2000 years ago. You just got to pick it up. That is the reality of the atonement. Anyway, that's the second part, the healing of the body. And the third part is the chastisement of uh, our peace was upon him. So the healing of the mind or of the soul. So spirit, soul and body salvation. The spirit is the salvation by the atonement that we would go to heaven and be with Jesus. The salvation of the body is that we would be physically healed here in this world. And the salvation of the soul is that we would not be tormented in our mind by anything here in this world. That is a covenantal promise of God, as paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, shed out 2,000 years ago. His yes to your prayer was 2,000 years before you prayed it, so we need to stop questioning whether or not God wants to do something, and this is the point that I was trying to get at from the beginning, that I'm getting to now. Uh, We need to acknowledge that because that is, in my opinion, undoubtedly the reality of the gospel, that his yes to our prayer was answered 2,000 years before we asked it, Um, you know, asking, God, I just need peace, or God, I just need healing in my body, God, I just want to be saved. Nobody really repeatedly prays that last one, I guess, but um, that's because it's the only one of the three areas of salvation, uh, of those three areas of salvation that can't be, I guess, physically seen or experienced. Nobody really feels like they need to pray and fast to ensure that they're saved and going to heaven, you know? A lot of people don't know if they're saved, but they don't feel they need to pray and fast to get it, Whereas with healing and with peace and all that kind of stuff we do because we don't accept it with the same faith and simplicity that we accept the salvation of the spirit to go to heaven. you know we don't accept it with that same with that same simplicity. We try and basically receive it by works um for the when it comes to healing the sick and peace, but we don't try and get saved by works. everyone preaches not to get saved by works. it's always by faith, right, and it's the same with healing, and with peace. They're both parts of the same covenant. They're both both—they're all the same thing. They're inseparable, actually. Um, in fact, they're so inseparable that sometimes Jesus would tell someone that their sins were forgiven instead of just telling them they were physically healed. Because they were so interchangeable, salvation is to the spirit, soul, and body. He could forgive a person's spirit, and their body would be healed. But this atonement theology, so to speak, that all of the promises of God are yes and were accomplished 2,000 years ago, they all point to just how wrong we are in our understanding of God. Because the gospel is that simple. The gospel is that if we just connect to these realities by faith, we would receive them in our bodies, in our mind, in our spirit, uh, for ourselves and for those um, you know, on whose behalf we come to God or come to the covenant, come to the promise. Yet, that reality isn't experienced in the life of pretty much anyone I know. There is not many people I know that walk around and see 100% of the sick healed, or who never sin, or who are totally at peace all the time. I know people who walk in that reality uh, most of the time, if not all of the time. However, they are very, very few and far between. And even then, those people, it's always one of those areas. I know people who are peaceful all the time, uh, but they might not see everyone healed. And I know people who see everyone healed all the time, but they may or may not be, um, you know, like the most, how do I put it, like the most Christ-like in their their way of thinking or in their attitude or, um, you know, just interchange it, right? But if... The level of truth we have dictates how much we walk like Christ in accordance with John chapter 8, verse 32, where it says, And my disciples will continue in my word, and they shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. So knowing the truth, uh, we tend to believe, is what sets us free into the capacity to walk in that truth. If you don't know that you can heal the sick, you're not going to go and heal the sick, are you? So it's knowing the truth that is at least the first step. Uh, in terms of walking um, in that truth. So uh, without the truth, you're never going to walk in it, you know. And if you have the truth, but you don't know it, once again, you're probably going to not walk in it. But if we aren't walking in it, if we aren't living exactly like Christ, and all of his promises are yes and amen, then that just means that there is a difference in our understanding. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, God just hasn't come through yet. It's not just we're waiting on the Lord. We're not waiting on the Lord. The Lord is waiting on us. That is the reality of where we're at right now as you know, a worldwide church. There are people who see amazing things done in Jesus' name day after day, but that is not most people. And that is because most people don't have the level of understanding of the reality of the gospel that those people have. There are people that have spent 20,000 hours, 40,000 hours seeking the Lord uh, for understanding and revelation and And just the truth of the gospel and who he is. And they get it. And they start to walk like Christ. Exactly like Christ. Raising the dead. Loving people perfectly. At peace at all times. And we expect to catch that reality from them. From them speaking about Jesus for an hour. It can't be communicated within an hour. It is, you know, people always say, well, you know, sometimes it can be. I actually genuinely don't think it can be. I don't think that you could ever catch the reality of the gospel from a person who has spent 50,000 hours, you know, twenty to 50,000 hours seeking the Lord. You're not going to hear and understand God to the same level they are after an hour of listening to them. Invest the same amount of time as that person that you were wanting to imitate, and you'll probably live like them. Uh, it even says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. So... 30 years of preparation empowered Jesus to walk the way he did in his ministry. And that's not to say I think he was in sin ever in his life, but he he says that he learned obedience through suffering. So that's what Hebrews says, it must be real, right? Um, And yet, you know, we listen to podcasts, we listen to these 15, 10, 20, 30, hour and a half long messages, and we think that that has somehow brought us to the place where we should be living like God, Um, and then, you know, so-and-so dies or so-and-so gets sick and just isn't being healed, and we just begin to doubt God instead of doubting our understanding. When, if we understand just the foundational things that I've just shared, that healing is in the blood and it's already been poured out and it's already yes. Salvation is in the blood, it's already been poured out, it's already yes. Peace is in the blood, it's already been poured out and it's already yes. If you're not experiencing those three things... It means that you're wrong somewhere in your understanding and you don't need to blame God. You don't need to blame the people around you. You just need to get the truth. You need to understand what you're missing and walk in it and acknowledge that you're wrong. And I acknowledge that I'm wrong in most things. And for that reason, God gives me truth. And all the things that I believe that were wrong are being replaced by better ways of thinking. And that's what repentance is, acknowledging you're wrong. And until we look exactly like Christ, I think that we're exactly wrong. Anyway, I'm probably going to wake up the neighbors, so I'm going to go to bed.